I need your help. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. And if it's not, you still can't leave. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ten years I've been pastoring, serving in this capacity. And I can only think of a couple of times where the Lord has changed direction in the week for me. I certainly believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit steers the ship and I work for him. He is the lead pastor of Greater Life Church. I serve the Lord. Amen. And as I wrote my sermon on Monday, as I typically do, and went back to it on Tuesday and began to chew on it, and, and it's actually sitting in my office on my desk. It's quite extensive. It's three pages long. But you guys get this one today. Let's see. It's, it's about 10 words. And then it says altar. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit's going to take us somewhere. And I just, I just want to thank you for being obedient to being here. If I could just acknowledge that I do believe that you may have pushed to get here today through some doubt, through some complications, through some exhaustion, I don't want to go today. But you're here. Sermon title today is One Touch. We're Walking away from the series, One Church, for a moment. We'll come back to it next week. But my hope and my prayer has been, God, let one touch from you do something amazing in the lives of these people. And so I want you to know, on the very beginning of this message, that we are preaching towards an altar and a response. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to show us all. There's a variety of things that we can walk out today. This one touch idea, think of your senses for just a moment. There was a study not that long ago that they discovered kind of by accident in war-torn Romania, they had an orphanage that did not have enough people to serve the orphans that were there. And so... What they found is, is the orphans that were there did not experience the touch of the caregiver because there just wasn't enough people to go around. They were, they were fed, they were cared for in that way, but there was not enough people to hold the babies. And so what happened is, is they began to have significant physical challenges and they would not grow the way that they were supposed to grow. Why? Because they were untouched. They had not experienced the touch 
of the caregivers that were there. Another story came out that there was a pair of twins that were born. One was not doing very good and was in the incubator and given special care in that way. The other one was healthy enough that mom could hold the baby. What they found in that case is that the twin in the incubator continued not to thrive, continued to get worse. And so the doctors decided they were going to try something and they were going to take that baby's twin, take that sibling and place it in the incubator with their sister. And so every time they were able to do that, they placed that little child next to their sibling and they began to see immediate results. That now the twin that was getting worse and worse began to improve more and more. Why? Because the touch of that sibling was bringing healing. There have been studies, and especially recently, we could all relate to this, that, that technology has discovered that touch can be measured much more accurately than it ever has. So, for example, if you touch your phone or your device or even the touchpad of your computer, you can touch it one way and it will do one thing, and you touch it a little bit harder and it will do something else. And if you do two fingers, three fingers, and so on, you realize that they can manipulate technology to respond to that touch. And believe it or not, touch has kind of been one of the senses that's been kind of forgotten about. You know, it's not really at the forefront of what we think sometimes. But touch is one of the most unique senses when you really consider. When I, when I, when I have an idea for a sermon and the Holy Spirit gives me something, then I will always go back to creation and say, how did the Creator intend for this to be? And so... Consider the fact that God created the entire world. Let there be light, and there was. Let the expanse of the sky be separated from the earth. Let the, let the sea be there. Let the birds and the animals and the trees and the grass and let everything. And, and he spoke it all into existence. But it wasn't until we came to humanity that God touched something. Because he formed man. Yeah, come on. Now, here's the thing. If you take your finger, we all know about palm prints and fingerprints and, and the uniqueness of that, but here's something that I think might blow your mind. You know that on a smooth surface, you can sense, I believe it's 0 0.033 nanomillimeter with your finger. You know what that's the size of? A virus. So if we would have known that in 2020, then we could have known that if we touched COVID-19, then we could just wash our hands only when we touch COVID-19. Are you with? No. So listen, if this is your first time at Greater Life Church, your first time hearing me preach, I like to do this. I like to get real serious and spiritual, and then we're going to go over here and have some fun for a minute. But, but, but it's amazing to me that that touch is more sensitive than the human eye, than our hearing, then our taste touch has this upper level of sensitivity. Now, what in the world does that mean for us today? Well, we can see Jesus. We can hear the voice of the Lord. The scripture says, taste and see the Lord is good. It uses that image. But there's something about a touch 
from Jesus. That's unlike anything else. Oh, man. You want to you experience change in a moment? Then you need one touch from him. Allow me to pray one more time. Thank you, Father. We love you. We fear you. We respect who you are and what you've called us to. Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for sending the spirit. Today, open our hearts. May we be tuned in to what you wanna say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm often blown away that I could preach one message and have two dozen different responses. I heard this, or this part spoke to me. So what I'd like for you to do is to almost ask yourself and ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, help me to tune in what you want me to hear. Help me to receive something. My responsibility is to be obedient to my assignment, and that is to preach this message. Are you ready? Number one, untouchable. Mark chapter one, beginning in verse 40. Untouchable. The story of the leper. A man, the scripture says, with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I'm going to stop right there because I need to unpack what is significant about the leper. If you've been around church for any period of time, you've heard about what a leper is, but if you haven't, you need to understand something. Lepers didn't just walk up to people. As a matter of fact, when you were diagnosed by the priest at the temple, if you had leprosy, then there were certain things that would happen. In a moment's time, you would be taken and required to be taken and leave your home and to go into a leper's camp on the outside of the city. You were now considered unclean. Yes, even less than a citizen. You now were required to move outside of town and then they would send food out there on occasion. But you know what? Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes those camps were forgotten about. You were basically said, you're going to die. We do not want to be around when it happens and we do not want to catch what you have. The leper in a moment didn't just lose their dignity, didn't just lose any medical attention. They lost their family. They lost their livelihood. They lost everything. Insult to injury. You're sick and now you've lo you're losing everything else. Not because of something you've done, but because something you have. I often wondered how in the world could the leper even have any hope or any faith at all if the people that were supposed to love him ostracized him in such a way. It's, hard, it's been hard for me to connect with this story. I understood it. I, I know I've heard what I've just told you about what the leper had to go through. I get all of that. But it wasn't until, I believe it was March or April or May, May of 2020, when I got COVID. And that was early on. And that was a time where I said, okay, you got COVID. Now, don't touch nobody. 
and nobody can touch you. As a matter of fact, we're going to text you 25 times an hour to make sure you're not touching anybody. I'm telling you right now, that was probably the most miserable part. I just, you know, thankfully I was out of it, so I didn't get the text. Go home, isolate. Tell your family, don't come around. I went from being touched to being untouchable. Then I got so sick, I went to the hospital. And in the hospital, my experience was like this. They put me in there. The first nurse that came in was a travel nurse, and he walked in with the full nuclear suit on, opened the door, <laughs> Mr. Bird, <laughs> right? You okay? And just would poke his little nuclear mast hooded self in the door. Like either that suit works or it don't, brother. So as I'm laying there and he pokes his head around, are you doing okay? What, what am I going to say? My oxygen, my oxygen saturation is at 60 something percent. I mean, what do you want me to say? And then a lady who came to our church was my next nurse. And she walked in there and put her hand on my shoulder and prayed for me. Something about a touch gives you some hope. The leper who was required to follow all these rules and all these regulations came and found Jesus. He did not care in that moment anymore. I'm either going to die alone or I'm going to go try everything I can. I'm going to make a risk. I'm going to take a big risk. And if Jesus can help me, then maybe if I can just get to him. The leper probably had lost a few fingers and toes. His nose and ears had probably either fallen off altogether or they were decaying away. The leper was required to walk into town and say, unclean, unclean, and people would scatter. And yet here we see a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Sometimes we are not people that run to Jesus first. But when we do, he is the only one that can help us. He says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. If you are willing. Here he comes on the backside of people treating him like an animal. Jesus, if you are willing. So the Bible tells us in verse 41, 41 moved with compassion. <laughs> moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and what did he do? Touched him. Can you imagine the shock of the people that were standing nearby? He says, I am willing. Friend, I don't need to remind you, but I think I will. That God loves you. 
And many times we find ourselves in such a place of guilt, in such a place of shame, in such a place of hiding that we say, God, if you are willing, if you love me at all, (laughs) Jesus moved with compassion, wants us to be reminded today that I am willing. Run to him. Be healed, Jesus says, verse 42. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on away with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, the story goes on and says he didn't listen very well to Jesus. He went and told everybody. I'm not getting into that part, but what I want you to see is he told him, now go to the priest, get checked, Give your offering, follow the rules for a public testimony. Why? Why? You see, because when Jesus does a miracle, it isn't because he needs to be reminded he has the power to work miracles. <laughs> when, when Jesus touches your life and mine, it's not because Jesus needs that affirmation that, wow, I, I, I forgot I could do miracles, but thank you for that. Can I tell you? That your miracle is not just for you. It's a testimony for somebody else who didn't have hope to have hope. So in just a few moments when we leave this place and you go out here and you see these different tables set up, everything from sexual integrity to marriage and finances and even abortion recovery, don't let shame keep you from getting healed. Oh, the leper, one touch is changed forever. Guys, I can't help you. I, I, I can't help but stop here and just say that it's more than just the disease. He didn't just get healed from the disease. He got his family back. He got his life back. And say, Pastor, you don't understand. I I grew up in this area and all the things bad that's happened to me are no fault of my own. My parents did this and my spouse did that and all these things that's happened to me, it's not my fault. You don't get it. Jesus moved with compassion, doesn't care if it's your fault or someone else's. The fact that you're suffering means that you need a touch from him. Mark chapter 2, the very next passage, the very next part of this story, we look at the paralytic. We're going to call this part untouched. We're talking about one touch, and we've laid it out to this physical touch, but I want to take you somewhere else if I can. The paralytic in Mark chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was packed with visitors. That there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they gave up. 
We did all we could do, buddy. Right? Thanks for trying, guys. Take me back home to my paralyzed life for the rest of my life. Uh-uh. I love it. How many of you guys know good friends are hard to find and even harder to keep sometimes? So they, could, they couldn't bring him to Jesus, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Whose faith? Whose faith? Come on, help me. Whose faith did he see? The friends. Can I tell you, sometimes you may be called to stand in the gap for somebody that can't believe anymore. Can I tell you that there's a biblical precedent for us standing in the gap for someone that has, feels like they just got to give up? I can't do it anymore. I can't believe it anymore. I've tried again and again and again, and I've failed. And I'm telling you, a good friend stands there and digs holes in roofs just to get them in front of Jesus. Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Catch this. The fact that he was paralyzed wasn't even the number one issue. Somebody's going to get something today. Jesus saw a man that was going to hell. Paralyzed, sure. Your sins are forgiven. Now, let me, let me just go with you to this idea that if he's paralyzed, I had this thought, if he's paralyzed, then what is he doing? Think about it with me. Well, he, he's not committing adultery. He's not committing murder. He's not robbing the bank. Is, is that a stretch? Are you guys too holy for this? Hello? Hello? Did, do you think? He's paralyzed. But you know what Jesus did? He raised the game. When he came and he gave this teaching, he said, it ain't even about what you do anymore. It's about what's in your head and your heart. So, so, the, so the sin of thought that, that, that I look upon a woman in lust or that, 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 that I have hate in my heart for my brother and my sister, that I begin to have these things in my head that should not be there, that I failed, as the scripture says, to take every thought captive. That don't belong there. And so... The paralyzed man is forgiven. But some of the teachers, they didn't like that. You know why they didn't like that? Because now they don't have power. See, Jesus was about getting power restored to who it belonged to anyway, the God of heaven and earth. Religion was upset about that idea. But some of the teachers of religious law were sitting there and thought to themselves, what is he saying, this blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Can you picture that as they're over here? Why are you questioning that I can forgive sin? Did you tell him? I didn't tell him. Did he hear me? But it shows us to me, that the paralyzed man had an issue of the heart first because now God is reading minds and hearts of the everybody else in the room too. Come on. Just so I will prove that you, prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. 
Man, we can just stop there. There's a miracle. Stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, (laughs) grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed to praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Here again, there's something that I've even preached That when you come to an altar, when you come to a response, when you come to a place and you give your your best to the Lord and you say, take my past out of my life. And we even have counselors here that, that help you unpack all of those things. But at the end of the day, all of those past things, what God, what Jesus is telling him to do is stand up and be healed and pick up your past and go home. Why? Because sometimes we have a tendency to hide our past because we don't want anybody to think any less of us. But can I tell you today that God wants to touch you in such a miracle-working way that your past becomes a platform for somebody else's healing. Can you imagine? They see the paralyzed guy walking. First of all, they're shocked that he's walking around. Maybe they didn't know him as the paralyzed guy. But why in the world is this guy carrying a mattress in the street? Hey, man, you going camping? No, I, I just got healed. I was paralyzed a second ago, so I'm just going to the house with my mat. What? Can we get to a place that we're not ashamed of what we have done, but we're celebrating what God has done for us? Amen. Everybody out there at those tables, when you go to sign up, they're wounded healers. They've had busted marriages and bad finances, and they've been uh, uh, wrapped up in different addictions and issues, and they're wounded healers. Thirdly, unbelief. Now, I love this one. I think this is my favorite one. Unbelief. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Verse 14 says, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. And they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out this evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? They were in trouble. Bring the boy to me. There's a saying that goes, if you want it done, want something done right, you got to do it what? Yourself. Jesus said, fine, I'll do it. (laughs) 
Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, let me remind you that we are in a spiritual battle and a spiritual war. When the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So you, you, you see the picture. There's a group of people. They were there. They were arguing because the disciples couldn't do what Jesus was about to do. And this group of people is there. The evil spirit makes this boy go into convulsions. And what does Jesus do? Uh, get the Pentecostal blankets out so we can lay it upon the boy. Everybody back away. Give him some room. No, Jesus says, this is how I picture it in my head, and I think this is how it went down. Um, so how long has he been this way? <laughs> can you picture it? I refereed basketball for a little while. And I remember that, and I use this illustration because sometimes the referees are the only ones that actually have their head about them at certain parts of the game. Now, everybody hates us. It's okay. We're dealing with it. But at the end of the day, when it's really intense, I really kind of looked around and said, it's pretty cool that we're the only ones that haven't lost our ever-loving mind in the room. And how many of you guys know that Jesus does not get rattled or upset or surprised? So this boy, here's the boy, and Jesus said, so uh, how long has this been a problem? <laughs> can, you, can you just picture this? But, but I want you to know that even when you feel like you're rattled, you're shocked, I never saw that coming. Jesus is saying, so how are we going to fix it? Are you, are you going to come to me for help? Are you going to trust me? How, how long have you been this way? Oh. oh, man. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. This kind of makes me mad. Because what do we see in society today that children are in this crossfire? of the spiritual war that's going on in our nation. That they're just doing what their parents are telling them to do, but what their parents are telling them to do is confusing and sending them to hell. Can I tell you? That makes me mad, but can I tell you it also angers the Lord? Because Jesus even said, you better not let one of these stumble, because if you do, it's better you've never been born yourself. So he says, since he was a little boy, the, the spirit often throws him into the fire and into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. <laughs> what do you mean? If. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I love this story. I just see it in my head. <laughs> Excuse me? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This particular story, we're concentrating on unbelief. We still have not got to the touch of Jesus. 
When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers in verse 25 that was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit, said, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him through a temper tantrum. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, touched him, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house of his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. And most translations say fasting, prayer and fasting. So, pastor, why do you have prayer on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock? Because some things can only happen if we're a church that prays. Can I just be honest with you? Transparency right now. Ready? I'm not good at fasting. I'm going to fast for 30 days, maybe three weeks, maybe three days, maybe three hours between breakfast and lunch. <laughs> but can I tell you, God loves me. And I try. And I... I I win sometimes, sometimes I don't. But can I tell you, the point is this, that if we are unprepared spiritually to fight in a spiritual war, then we may mess around and lose. We might have to call the big guns in. So before you think, let me call pastor and bring them in. Maybe I didn't fast that week I was supposed to fast. You do it. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me. Amen? We have the authority to stomp on scorpions. We have the authority to win these spiritual battles. We have the authority to walk in faith and not unbelief. And it is okay, friend, for you to say, God, I have some unbelief here. Help me. Help me to believe. Finally, Luke chapter 8, unnoticed. A woman in Luke chapter 8 needed a touch from the Lord. And in verse 40, we begin on the other side of the lake. Crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter was about 12 years old and was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. A couple of things. We have Jairus, whose daughter was 12 years old and about to die. 
I, I like how the, the, the scriptures give this little bit of context between these two things. So we have a 12-year-old is about to die. We have a woman who's lived her life. And for 12 of those years, she has been diseased and suffering and looking for a cure because the Bible says she couldn't find one. Let me just say, in this moment, it doesn't matter how long you've been suffering, if you're here today, one touch is all it takes. So the woman, in verse 44, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Now, the story could be over there, because that's an awesome miracle. Jesus went on to heal the 12-year-old daughter and all these kinds of things, and that's awesome. But Jesus said, whoa, who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing in against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. Wait a second. Wait a second. She went after her miracle. <laughs> Why? Because she knew Jesus was the only one that could do it. And so she had the faith that said, it don't matter if he even notices me. I'm going to get my miracle. Oh, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we feel that we've been forgotten. And this woman had in essence, felt that way, but she pressed in. Somehow she pressed in unnoticed, but this was the moment in which she couldn't be unnoticed no longer. Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell at her knees in front of him. How could she feel that she was somehow in trouble? How, how, what kind of mental place must she have been in? Well, she was also unclean because of this disease. She wasn't supposed to touch people. She was supposed to stay in the house. She wasn't supposed to go out into the public. And she just touched Jesus. Because she probably had experienced what religious leaders would have done. Who said you can come out here? Who said you can be in the crowd? Who said you can come and worship because of the issue you have? She trembled, fell to her knees in front of him. Catch this. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed daughter he said to her your faith has made you well go in peace you're not in trouble I'm not mad at you your faith has made you well go in peace catch this she got her miracle Eric would you come 
She got her miracle. She had received her healing and she tried to sneak off. But Jesus was having none of it. Why? Why was it so important that Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Additionally, there's another little mini miracle in the story that the entire crowd heard her tell her story. Have you ever been in a crowd of people? Have you ever carried on a conversation with someone? Do you think you can hear somebody else's conversation? Why was that in this story? I'll tell you why. Because the miracle wasn't just for her. I wonder who else heard it. I wonder who else realized that I I don't have to be ashamed of running to Jesus. He he won't be mad at me because of my issues. (laughs) Friend, I'm telling you right now, the past few weeks, We've given opportunity for people to respond. And people have responded every week for a variety of things. But also something interesting has happened every week for the past few weeks. As I come down and I go throughout and say hello to folks, someone has always come up to me and said, Pastor, I should have responded and I didn't. And so my response is to pray with that person, of course, but... The point is this, the woman with the issue of blood tried to get her miracle and disappear. We're missing something. The work that God wants to do in your life and in mine is a testimony of God's goodness. The leper was sent so he could have public testimony. The boy was healed because the crowd was watching. The paralytic sins were forgiven. Why? Because Jesus knew that was the bigger issue. And now, the Jesus that had been healing the sick, casting out demons, was also the same Jesus that could forgive sin. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what kind of miracle you need or what kind of touch you're seeking. Forgiveness, it's here. Healing, it's here. Question is, will you respond? Don't be like the woman with the issue of blood and try to remain unnoticed and hidden. Allow your story, allow your miracle, allow the one touch that the Lord wants to do in your life be a testimony for someone else. So with every head bowed in this room, Eric's gonna sing a song and I want you to consider what God is going to do in your life today. Like the woman with the issue of blood we press in we press in like the blind man waiting patiently we press in through the crowd Suddenly a touch from heaven Jesus came and rescued me And suddenly a touch from heaven 
going to have the prayer team come and any available staff, would you come and be ready to pray with people? I'm going to also come down. My wife Kelly will join me and we're going to be praying for the needs that are here today. The leper that had felt ostracized and alienated all by himself, God healed the body. Yeah, let's go ahead and just fill up every gap. Come on, staff, get on up here. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand and worship with us in just a few moments, but I'm also going to ask you, if you need a touch from the Lord, you better get down here. The Holy Spirit thought of you when he changed this in my heart. If you need forgiveness, recommit your life to Christ. You came in here carrying a heavy burden. There's one that's here today by the power of the Holy Spirit. His name is Jesus and he wants to touch you. But I'll tell you this much, standing and coming to an altar is an act of humility and an acknowledgement that you cannot do this on your own. So Lord Jesus, in these next few moments, as we begin to worship, I pray that everyone in this room that needs that touch, that there be no hesitation, that there be no shame, but Lord, they would come and receive a miracle. Come on, church, stand and sing. If you need a need, come right now. Come right now.
Hallelujah. Come on, church, raise your voice. Come on. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd fill this room with joy. That there are miracles in the house and there have been people that have come and received. And I pray, Lord, for the people in the seats as we sing one more time. I ask you. And Lord, I admit I'm selfish to ask you, but I'm asking you anyway. Holy Spirit. May every soul and every heart be changed and encouraged. As we sing these words, he touched me. As we sing this out with all that we can, Lord, may you work miracles in the house. And may we all experience a supernatural joy that comes from when we enter into your presence. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Raise your voice. Happened, something happened. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, sing it out. Isn't he good, church? Now, Lord, may there be winds of refreshing, strength anew. May the heavy burdens of our life melt away. Hallelujah. Sing that one thing. Sing about that burden. Come on, give it to Jesus right now. Be unshackled from that heavy burden right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Shackled by a heavy burden. But beneath the load of guilt and shame. In the hand of Jesus. Hallelujah. And now. Come on, one more time and then we're done. Come on, church. Touch me. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
now, God, may we end this moment and this time with an unbridled praise for the God of the universe, the miracle-working power that we've experienced in the house today. For that, Lord, we say thanks. Can you give him praise one time? Come on. Hallelujah. You're a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, the prayer team's going to go and stand at their tables and be ready on your way out. Sign up for something. Get some healing. Get some growth. Also, on Wednesday night, we've got family night. We'll have family meal together and Bible study. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here today.